Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. So five years ago, the people who run Apple Podcasts came for a friendly visit to CanadaLand's offices. And they asked me in that meeting, What would you add to Apple Podcasts? If you could request a feature for this app, and Apple Podcasts, that app, over 80% of our listeners, that's how they get Canada Land, then and now. And I did not have to go through and try to imagine up a cool feature. I knew exactly what to ask them for. I had wanted this feature for a while then. And I said, oh, this is what I want. When I ask listeners to support Canada Land, I say, give us like five bucks a month. I want that to be a button. Like, just look at your phone and let there be a button that you click and you're giving us five bucks a month. And if we just had that, I knew we could like double or triple our support. Like, just the act of asking people to go somewhere else and fill out forms and do things like that, that friction, as they call it in the uh, user experience design world, it actually has a massive effect on the numbers of people who support us. And now that we're offering ad-free versions of Canada Land, I want that to be part of that feature as well. I want you to be able to just press a button, support us, and then get your ad-free Canada Land. And uh, when I told them that's what I wanted, they smiled and they thanked me for my suggestion and they said, oh, that's funny. That's what every podcaster asks for. And then they proceeded to not build it for five years and they still haven't built it. But somebody else has. A Canadian company, actually. They have built the simplest, quickest way 
to sign up for a premium podcast feed, to subscribe to a podcast and, and support it financially that I've ever seen. We tested it out here and they've got sign up down to like two minutes and it is live now. It's never been easier to support Candleland. It's actually very cool. Have a look. If you go into the show notes, there's a link. If you go into the description or show notes, different uh, apps listed different ways. You don't have to be on Apple, whatever you're on. If you go into the show notes, there's a link, you press it and you can sign up to support us for five bucks a month in a very short period of time. It's even quicker if you use Apple Pay or Google Pay, which it supports, or you could use a credit card. And then it automatically subscribes you to the ad-free feed of Canada Land. It puts it right into your podcasting app. And for the first time ever, you're charged in Canadian dollars, five bucks Canadian a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you're listening to this not on a phone, you can go to canadalandshow.com slash join. Same thing. It is super simple, and I'm very happy to be offering you an easier way to help us out, and I hope you do. Shit hit the fan last week in Wet'suwet'en. This has all been building up for months. The federal government signed agreements to proceed with the multi-billion dollar coastal gas link pipeline. They reached deals with 20 band councils along the route. But the band councils and the hereditary chiefs have different positions on the pipeline. The chiefs oppose it. On January 31st, the B.C. Supreme Court extended an injunction against blockades on the road leading to the construction sites. The provincial government was supposed to spend last week in talks with the chiefs, but the talks broke down. The chiefs broke them off on Tuesday after two days of discussions, saying that there would be no deal unless the province pulled the permit for the project. That is when things got real. In the early morning hours before dawn last Thursday, somewhere between 3 and 5 a.m., RCMP officers in paramilitary gear with assault rifles and dogs advanced on a checkpoint camp and forcibly arrested six people for obstruction. They stormed tents. They smashed the windows of a car to get to a protester who was inside of it. Guys, this might be the biggest story unfolding in Canada right now. It is about climate change and energy policy and the economy. It is about who has the power to speak for Indigenous people. It is about reconciliation, whether there is any validity to the Trudeau government's promise to respect Indigenous sovereignty through nation-to-nation -nation negotiations. All of these issues, all of these stories, all points converge in Wet'suwet'en, the biggest story right now in Canada. But it's a story that can only be told if there are reporters there to tell it. And last week, the RCMP kicked reporters off the scene. We have two press here. Yeah, what was that again? Yeah, he's he's telling me that if I, a I'm an accredited member of the media, I'm on assignment for Vice. I'm being told if I don't leave the exclusion zone, I'm going to be arrested. They're arresting press. Yes, you yeah. will be. You have 10 minutes to depart this area in the police exclusion zone. The Mounties told the journalists to stop taking pictures of their weapons. They detained reporters and drove them away from the action, dumping them in a parking lot. And they forbade all other media from setting foot inside their, quote, exclusion zone. 
After that, journalists and press freedom and civil liberty groups have been crying bloody murder about this on Twitter. But that's just Twitter. Taking the fight to the RCMP last week was the Canadian Association of Journalists. And their president, who is the former executive director of news for Aboriginal People's Television Network, Karen Pugliese, joins me from Cambridge, Massachusetts in a moment. Wait for it. This episode is brought to you by Robin Watson, Kara Gray, Ethan Ralph, Trisha Laffin, Hal Doran, Leslie Colson, Becky Mitz, and Chantal Chateauneuf. My name is Chantal Chateauneuf. I work in the film industry. I'm originally from Vancouver, but I'm currently living in Sydney, Australia. I support Canada Land because it's never been more important to support independent journalism, and I'm constantly learning something new about the country I call home. I'd like to give a big shout out to Jen Gerson. We don't share the same politics, but I respect her work on Oppo tremendously. Lastly, as an expat, Canada Land provides me with a comforting taste of home. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Hi, Karen. Hi, Jesse. Karen, can you tell us what happened to the journalists who are covering Wet Sweat and Territory in this standoff? What happened between them and the RCMP last Thursday? Well, the very first thing that came to our attention was as a freelancer for Vice. He started tweeting not just that he was on the site, but that he was being told what he could shoot and what he couldn't shoot. There's an American documentary maker with him whose name is Bunker Seifert, and he's with Mutual Aid Media. So the police were saying, you you can't shoot us arresting this woman, and you can't shoot our weapons. And sometimes they were getting in front of them, 
And sometimes they were, you know, just blocking them. And sometimes they're telling them, okay, we're clearing this. You have to get out of here. We are going to arrest you. And they would negotiate and they would get to stay a bit longer. And then they would tell them, we'll move back, move back. And so they'd move them back like 100 yards where they couldn't see anything. And then ultimately they took those two media, told them they weren't under arrest, but they put them in the back of a police car anyway. And they told them, well, we're taking you back to town, which is just incredible. I've never seen that before in Canada. It's an incredible abuse of RCMP power. What is it that the RCMP did not want the journalists to see? You, you mentioned that they said, don't take pictures of our weapons. What kind of weapons were they? They weren't able to identify the guns, but they said they were semi-automatic. So they, they were assault rifles anyway, although they couldn't identify for sure exactly what the rifles were. So earlier, you'll remember in the Guardian article that came out in December, keeping the assault weapons out of the eyes of the media in the previous injunction that they enforced in January 2019 was something that the RCMP were very concerned about. So the RCMP were doing a lot of dancing, saying, oh, we're there to protect the safeties of journalists. Clearly, the journalists were not in danger from the people protesting. For the most part, they were welcomed by the people protesting. The only people that seemed to be threatening the journalists were the RCMP. And a lot of it is just over these issues of PR, of telling them what they can film and what they can't film. I understand there was particularly a woman who was being arrested. She's putting up quite a struggle. You know, like sort of the doing the, I'm going to weigh a billion pounds and I'm going to make it really hard for you to pick me up. And they didn't want them to see that. And that is a video that made its way onto Twitter where we can hear her yelling. And then you you see the RCMP. It's not like they're bashing heads of journalists or locking them up. It almost seems like they're like having this very confusing negotiation where the RCMP are telling the press to stop filming this. And then the further reporting we get is that they're saying, we're not arresting you, but we will arrest you if you stay. And giving specific instructions to like, don't look at that, don't photograph this. It's hard to get a clear narrative of exactly what happened, but I guess some level of confirmation came when the RCMP, they clarified their position to Ricochet in this initial email that their spokesperson, Janelle Scheuert, sent. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so we can back up a little bit. The night before, Jerome was trying to access the camp, and this is where I first started talking to Ethan. Ethan Cox and Jerome Turner both on site reporting for Ricochet, the independent news site from Quebec, correct? Ethan is not on site, but Ethan is the editor. So he was in touch with Jerome Turner. Jerome Turner was on site. And so at some point late at night, Jerome Turner tries to get back in to access the camp at a checkpoint. And the RCMP say, no, you can't go in. And he shows them his media credentials, and that's what they were asking for before to let people in. And now all of a sudden it's a different story and they wouldn't let him in. That's kind of like the early warning, I guess, that we got. So Ethan managed to reach an RCMP officer who said that he would call down to the checkpoint and make sure that Jerome could get access. So then they let Jerome in. So now he's in with his media credentials and everything's fine. And then the RCMP changed their mind. They said that they got an updated injunction. And I haven't seen the updated injunction, but I'm certain it doesn't say clear the media because courts wouldn't write something like that. But nevertheless, they were using this excuse of having an updated injunction to say that they would arrest journalists. They would tell them to leave. And if they didn't leave, they would arrest the journalists. 
I'll just read it here. This is what Ricochet editor Ethan Cox received from RCMP spokesperson Janelle Shoyet. Ethan, we have received your numerous calls and messages. We have been trying to get the most up-to-date and accurate information prior to responding. Police operations are ongoing, and the commanders are currently engaged in talks and as such unavailable. While I understand you have a deadline, policing operations cannot be dictated by your deadlines. Currently, your reporter is within the exclusion zone and subject to all the same restrictions as anyone else within the zone. Your reporter will be given the opportunity to leave on his own accord and return to the access control point at the 27-kilometer mark or be subject to arrest. Currently, he is in violation of the exclusion zone as per our earlier news release. And then there's a link to a news release. You know, often it seems like officers on the ground are surprisingly fuzzy on what the law is. But mm-hmm. here is an actual official statement from an RCMP spokesperson saying that they, they seem to have a firm understanding that there is an exclusion zone. It applies to journalists as it does anyone else. The reporter, they're very graciously letting them leave on their own feet. But if they don't, they're going to be arrested. That was their initial position. Yes. And you're right. Like, I was asking myself, too, is this just police officers on the ground not knowing what they're doing or... Is it a coordinated effort? I've been asking myself this for a while because, you know, like journalists, we have conferences every year. We get together. We talk about the business. We talk about what we should be doing. Police do the same thing. And so they've been taking this kind of tact for a while now. It starts up really with Justin Brake with the Crown pressing charges against him. But you see it in 2019. I was at APTN as the executive director and they blocked my reporters from going into the exclusion zone. And at that time, you know, we had uh, Kathleen Martins on the ground, who's wonderful. And and she wanted to walk across. Like she was told, if you cross this line, you will be arrested. And she wanted to walk across. And I said, I've already got one journalist in a pickle. And I had to make the difficult call and tell her not to do it. And that killed me because the police went in to make those arrests. And then a year later, you see the Guardian coming out saying that basically the police were like determined to go in. They were going to be violent, that they knew that the camp was peaceful. And so, I mean, I was wondering at the time and you start thinking you're paranoid. Is this why they're keeping media out? And nothing could be more clear to me now. It was a plan to keep media out. You've got the letter there from uh, somebody high up, and you've got the RCMP on the ground saying the exact same thing. It was a coordinated effort. There is no doubting it. And according to this very well-documented report from The Guardian, there was talk of sniper rifles. RCMP were given instructions to use as much force as necessary toward the gate, whatever that means. And then you have this exclusion zone, and then you have a spokesperson saying, no, the law states that we can exclude journalists. The organization you run, the Canadian Association of Journalists, has said media have the right, have always had the right to be present and bear witness to state actions. And further said, journalism is illegal and protected in Canada, the U.S., and in every democratic country around the world. Karen, that sounds really good to me, but I will admit that I, too, am fuzzy on what the law actually says about where we are allowed to go and where we are not allowed to go. It seems the RCMP is very confused about this, and you seem very certain. And you cite the Justin Brake case, and I'll I'll, I'll remind people about what that was. Uh, Justin Brake is a journalist who was covering an action at Muskrat Falls, uh, an energy development out east. And as a journalist, he was there covering that. 
and uh, has been fighting a legal case ever since because he was charged with mischief and with violating an injunction. Now, you cite, and the CAJ cites the Justin Brake case as proof that the courts are on side. The province's Court of Appeals, Newfoundland Labrador's Court of Appeals, subsequently heard Brake's case and determined that journalists have a constitutional right to be present where news occurs. So this question of a, a citizen, it might be illegal for them to trespass or go somewhere, but a journalist has a right to cover it. And you're saying the courts have, have affirmed that right. I am confused about that. Did a court not rule in the Justin Brake case that Justin Brake's charter rights were not violated and that his, the mischief trial against him is to proceed and that's ongoing? No. Okay. So let's deal with the two cases because there's two cases and that's what kind of makes it complicated. There were the uh, civil charges, which did include trespassing. And what the judge basically said in that case, when it got up to the Newfoundland Court of Appeal, which is their highest court, is that a journalist has a right to be present. They can't be helping the protesters, or else they're not a journalist, which I think we'd all agree with. They can't be interfering with police. This isn't a police crime. The police put up yellow tape, you don't dive under it. The police tell you that you need to stand back as they're moving a perp, you stand back. And it has to be in the public interest. It has to be news. You can't just wander onto a site and start reporting because you like the decor. There has to be an element of public interest. So that was what the court said. Now, the other case that's coming up are the criminal charges. They did try to do a charter challenge in the lower court, and they could have appealed that, but they're deciding just to let the criminal case go. They were charged him with criminal trespassing at first, and they had to drop that because they were never going to win it based on what the Court of Appeal decided. And so now they're pursuing a charge of mischief, which is that his presence caused, I think it's something like more than $6,000 damage. I remain confused. So, <laughs> like, what do the courts have to say about my right as a reporter to report on areas that otherwise a citizen would not legally be able to set foot? Do we have clarity on that? The civil case says that you're allowed to be there so long as you're not helping the protesters, you're not part of the protest, you are not interfering with police, you're not getting in police's way, you're not crawling under yellow tape or putting your hands over fingerprints or blocking them from moving a perp, and that it's in the public interest and that it is news. That's interesting. Just to, just to pause it there, the first bunch of things there seems quite reasonable that we shouldn't be interfering with the, yeah. with the first responders. But the idea that it has to be in the public interest is usually a determination that editors make after news has been gathered, but before they publish the news. The idea that that determination would have to occur at the point of reporting, I see room for uh, some problems there, but that's what the law says. I gotcha. Yeah, and I, I, I disagree with you a little bit. I mean, I, having run a newsroom, never sent my reporters anywhere where I didn't think it was in the public interest. So I think that determination is made at the moment of assignment. But I mean, we can quip about that. Now, the part about the criminal case, what um, I think is tripping you up, the criminal case is about did he cause damages? So this is something that's not addressed in the civil case. Maybe that's the way to put it. So the, the next thing that they're saying you, you're not allowed to do is if you're a reporter and you meet all those criteria we just talked about, you're not allowed to damage the place. So that is essentially what they're saying. They're saying that his presence stalled work and led to causing damages, which which I would dispute. <laughs> sure. And that limited grounds is, is where they're continuing to go after break. But 
when you, you being the CAJ in this case, assert that the reporters at Wet'suwet'en were absolutely within the law, that is not a statement of opinion. That is now something the courts have affirmed. And to get to the next part of our narrative as to what happened last week, it seems that the RCMP ultimately accepted the validity of that, yes? Yeah, so that happened late Thursday night. I can't remember what time it was, but it was very late. I was still on the phone with reporters trying to assess the situation, and the RCMP replied, finally, it basically says, we recognize your constitutional rights, and we're going to let you get close and do your job. Reading from the ultimate RCMP email, quote, journalists can rest assured that the RCMP will make every reasonable effort to allow media personnel to get as close as possible to the enforcement area. The RCMP respects the fundamental freedom of the press under the Canadian Charter of Rights <laughs> and Freedoms. So this is a direct reversal of what they understood their powers to be, I guess, before CAJ's advocacy on this and the journalistic community speaking out about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> That was not the way I thought it was going to go. This was a complete reversal, and it was a complete shock. I could not believe it. I was literally trying to find lawyers that would represent pro bono journalists who were going to get arrested, who didn't have the capacity, the financial capacity to defend themselves. And, you know, it was very late at night, so I, I wasn't getting a lot of feedback, and I thought the arrests are going to happen sometime between now and 5.30 a.m., and then all of a sudden, I just get this like private message from Ethan saying, check out this letter I got. What is happening in Wet'suwet'en is maybe the biggest national news in Canada right now. And yet the news organizations that are bearing the burden of protecting rights for all journalists and are getting leaned on by the cops and detained and thrown in RCMP cars by officers with assault rifles, told, I'm not arresting you yet, and dropped off in some lonely parking lot, are journalists from the Narwhal and the Taiyi and Ricochet. Where is the CBC? Where is the Globe and Mail? I, I want to look at this from both perspectives, both how the RCMP treats independent journalists and small news organizations, but also when these journalists take a stand, it's the rights of all journalism that they're standing up for. And I'm curious what your awareness is of what our major news organizations, do they have feet on the ground? And is it just that they're getting preferential treatment from the cops, or are they not there to your knowledge? I was talking to uh, Michael, who um, he tweets at you and I a lot, kind of as a group, and I kind of think that's kind of cute. We're kind of like the mommy and daddy of media rights. <laughs> but uh, he was great at keeping me informed of what, what's been happening on the ground and when the temperature was going up. So uh, he was in a, the Unistoten camp, and we actually had a chance to talk a little bit on the phone. And I asked him what reporters are there. And they were all uh, from small news agencies and all sort of scrappy startups. Uh -huh. So, yeah, there was, there was no big media there at the time. And I, I can't say why. I, I don't know why they didn't embed reporters. But there's also a couple of different camps. So it, it's possible that the larger media might be in some other position. And I don't know about it, or they might just be working the phones yeah, um, and getting signals with people or reporting off of uh, Facebook, Twitter. Another pattern I'm sensing here, Karen, if we're going to connect this to what happened to Justin Bragg at Muskrat Falls, is that these test cases that seem to be pushing press freedoms and, and, and raising questions about what we can do and what we can't do 
in both cases, it has to do with indigenous rights and stories concerning indigenous people. Mm -hmm. Do you see that as an accident? I'm going to say no. And the reason I'm going to say no is I know you had Rick Harp on the show with uh, Ryan McMahon, and he talked a little bit, but in his documentary, it very much shows that the police started to develop specific tactics with Indigenous people. And it seems like what they were afraid of is they're afraid of an action by a group of Indigenous people triggering another idol no more. And so they developed tactics to shut it down quickly. I would not be surprised if they have a media plan to accompany that. And what they test out on Indigenous protests, they can then use on any protest. Uh-huh. It seems increasingly clear to me that there's a direct relationship to the fragmentation of the press, the decrease in feet on the ground reporting these events, and when those gaps get filled in by independent press, as you were pointing out, the RCMP seems much bolder than they would be with establishment and larger organizations. I don't know if that's a immediate response of an RCMP officer on, a, on an officer-by-officer basis, just sort of like deferring to a brand that they've heard of, oh, you're from the CBC, you're from the Globe and Mail, and then some other scruffy character is from the Narwhal, and they don't confer the same respect, or if this is actually formalized, that you can do certain things to certain journalists that you can't do to others. But it is deeply concerning, and it suggests to me that the weaker the press gets, and the more that these stories fall to independent outlets, the bolder the authorities get and the less respectful and even aware of the law itself they become. Yes, the RCMP are aware of who the smaller news agencies are. And they have always asked way back, you and I talked a long time ago when I was doing my first round in at APTN in between 2000 and 2006. And one of our reporters, Tom Landbrand, had his car stopped he didn't know what the implications were or if he should. He had a feeling they were going to try to get his tape. So he had a chance to quickly get on the line with the news director at the time. And the news director said, no, don't give them your tape. Don't give you, them your camera. And they'd stopped his car. They seized the whole vehicle uh, without a warrant and held him there until they could get a warrant so that they could seize the tape. And what they said to him at the time is they were saying, so who are you anyway? And he goes, APTN, they go, what the hell is that? We've never heard of that. And so when I was talking to uh, Bunker, who works for Mutual Aid Media, it was exact same conversation he had with the RCMP. They were like, who are you? And he goes, well, here are my credentials. And he says, I've got U.S. media credentials. So I've never heard of this. Who is that? So so they are looking at that. And, and part of it may be that they're trying to discern if you're legitimate media. But based on what we're seeing, I would say they're also trying to ascertain whether or not you can fight back. The other thing I, I just want to go back to, if I could, was this idea, because I mentioned it earlier. Listen, I'm scrappy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I this is true. People, I, I know this to be true. <laughs> I think people would say that about me. I had a scrappy newsroom. I had Kathleen Martins, who was a scrappy journalist. And when I was at APTN, I had the scrappiest boss in the world, Jean LaRose. And there were times where he had conversation. He said, well, I'm going to go to the board and tell them that we might just end up spending a million dollar on court. He gave me the freedom to always take the actions that I needed to take. And at that moment, when Kathleen was going to cross the line, 
I told her not to. They got me to back down. They did it. They got me to back down. Because what I'm thinking is I'm not just, you know, if it was me, I would have crossed the line because I'm responsible for myself. But I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, what if, what if, what if she ends up in jail? Like, I'm responsible for that. What if I can't protect her? And that's, that's where you start creeping into this police state. You know, this is where you start seeing the erosion of rights. And that's why we said that in our press release. I mean, it starts with the media. And say what you want about the media. I like the media. I hate the media. Whatever. But when they start taking away our free expression, and we're the ones out there in the front line, it becomes so much easier to take away everybody else's. Well, this time, they're the ones who back down. And if it's a rule that they'll take every opportunity to push against our rights and the weaker we get, the stronger and the harder they'll push. It also seems to be a rule that is proven in this instance that they respond quickly to pushback. And uh, in this case, I think you had something to do with that as well. So Karen, thank you for talking about this today. Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. Hey, that's your Canada Line show. And once again, it's never been easier to support the show and get ad-free versions of it. Just click the link in the show notes, show description, or go to canadalandshow.com slash join. Five bucks Canadian for the first time ever. Please give it some thought and support what we do. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything that you send to us. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is canadalandshow.com. There is a new episode of Oppo this week with Sandy Garasino and Jen Gerson, who I think hit their stride last episode, and I'm so excited for what they're doing on our politics show, Oppo. Go subscribe to that. This episode is produced by Kevin Sexton and Jordan Cornish. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. And if you like what we do, Please support us. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.